What you are about to see is bizarre, unsettling, and riveting. Welcome to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy, a man whose intellect has never been challenged by any sane person. He's an outstanding intellect. His uh, remarks, I've watched his performance, I've watched his statements. Honestly, they've been totally brilliant. Hang on to your seats, your dog, your steering wheel, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and yes, probably some Xanax. Fasten your seatbelts. Bumpy nuts. His popularity now unparalleled. Sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. It's time to drain the swamp. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Thoughtful, respectful, and understanding. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. Jeremy Leahy is on. Controversial, unprecedented, and unexpected. Intriguing, trustworthy, and brutally honest. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. Email Jeremy now at standing. Ground1776 at gmail.com. Politics, 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 politics. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Informative, controversial, direct, and yes, often funny. <laughs> order, 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 order. Now, from Boston, Massachusetts, Jeremy Leahy, without that annoying fake Hollywood Kennedy accent. I was elected to clean up this town, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to get my hands dirty. Now, a man who admits he meddled, interfered, influenced the 2016 presidential election, and loved every minute of it. Supposedly, he's got a lawyer with $25,000 in a brown paper bag. We have to get on, we have to get on, we have so much time and so little to do. Strike that. Reverse it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's a guy who's been kicked around, enjoyed a few highs and a few lows, but now is on top of the world. Because only if you've been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. A man with an agenda. The right one. Here's Jeremy Leahy. Welcome to Standing Ground, and no, I'm sure you've already noticed, I am not Jeremy Leahy. My name is Peter Seraphine. I am typically the host of a little show called the Liberty Lighthouse, but I have the honor and the privilege of filling in for Mr. Jeremy Leahy so that he could enjoy his Independence Day. And with that, happy Independence Day. Notice I said Independence Day, not 4th of July. Why have we cheapened? the birthday of our nation to the 4th of July. Why is the, the name most commonly used the actual calendar date rather than Independence Day? Have we been so conditioned to even avoid using the word independence? Wow. I jumped right in, didn't I? Really deep, really fast. Uh, well, that is the the gist of what I planned on talking about most of today, and that is Independence Day and the Declaration of Independence and why that nearly perfect document is the reason that we have created the closest thing to a perfect government to ever bless the world. 
I didn't mean to jump in so deep so fast, but uh, happy Independence Day. And like I said, my name is Peter Serafine, and if you have any trouble, any problems at all with anything that I have to say, you have any feedback about this episode of Standing Ground, you please direct that at me, not Jeremy. My opinions are my opinions. Jeremy and I had a little short talk when we decided I was going to take this episode over. He did not give me any rules, any restrictions, any guidelines, any suggestions as to what I talk about. So he has no idea what I'm talking about. Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. But these are my opinions, not his. So if you want to uh, aim at me, feel free to go over to the uh, Mojo 50 MeWe chat room. I will make sure that I am there when this airs so that uh, I could address your concerns. Or if you'd rather send private messages, you can go to my website, liberty-lighthouse.com. From there, you can uh, contact me. And tell me what a horrible, horrible substitute I am for Jeremy Leahy. I can tell you right now, Jeremy is much, much funnier than I am. So if you listen to Standing Ground because you like Jeremy's humor, I'm sorry to say, but you're going to be sadly disappointed. But if you stick around, maybe I can teach you something important anyway. Another important distinction between the uh, Honorable Jerry Leahy and myself, he is funnier than I am. And he is actually a broadcast professional. I am just an average guy with opinions. And I decided that the government was really starting to tick me off with the way progress was going in our country. So I wrote myself a little book. It's called Progress, really. And shortly after writing and publishing that book, I decided I wanted to, to do more. So I started a blog. People told me, nobody reads blogs anymore. You've got to do a podcast. So then I started a podcast. And now I'm on a quest to get on the Mojo 50 radio network because I love just about every show here. And uh, if you don't listen to them all, you should because they're all great. And I'm proud to be affiliated in any way that I can be, even if that is just a temporary sit in for Jeremy. So since it is Independence Day, I plan on focusing on that topic a lot and I, I want to Make sure that we all, the patriots and freedom fighters that we all are that listen to the Mojo 50 radio network, I want to make sure that we all really understand what the Declaration of Independence means, where it came from, all those kinds of things. I want us to do better than, well, well, better than this guy. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. You know the thing. That, of course, was Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been in politics since the 1970s, which is when I was born, by the way. And he doesn't even know the opening paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. That is a sad, sad statement. Now, it is possible that he just got nervous or something like that and got flustered. I think he, uh, he really doesn't know it. I don't think he's honestly sat down and read it. I don't think many Americans have actually sat down and read the Declaration of Independence in a really, really long time. So we're not going to read the whole thing because, to be quite honest, there's a bunch of parts of it that are boring and dry and wouldn't make very good radio. And, uh, well, there's parts that aren't relevant anymore because they were parts that were directed directly uh, at, at King George. But 
We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Of course, is the quote that Joe Biden just completely botched in that little soundbite. Normally when I play politicians saying something stupid, I I have a little uh, sound intro for that. Earlier today in Washington, D.C., another career politician said something really, really stupid. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. Well, do you really know the thing? Let's talk about it. Let's start with the 4th. The July 4th being named the birthday of our country. Do we know why July 4th was picked? Most people would say... Well, that's when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Well, that's not when it was signed. So let's look at that to begin with. Was it when the the Revolutionary War began? Uh, No. Was it when the uh, colonies first decided that they were going to become independent? Uh, No again. So let's get to when all of those things happen. And then eventually we'll talk about why July 4th. So the... Revolutionary War, as we now know it, actually began in uh, April 1775. So a good year, a little over a year, before the July 4th, 1776 birthday that we now claim. Now, in the beginning, that really wasn't a revolutionary war. It was more of a rebellion. It was we, the colonies, trying to stand up to King George's tyranny, but still wanted to be colonies. We just wanted better treatment. So that's how it started. And of course, it started before that. We all know about the Boston Tea Party in 1773, even two years before any of these shots were first fired. So the unrest had begun a long time ago. So three years, actually, we can easily trace back before the birthday that we now claim. But just the few days around July 4th, 1776, are really, really interesting. Let's start with June 11th, 1776. June 11th is important. That's when the uh, Continental Congress made the Committee of Five. The Committee of Five people that were put together and basically tasked with what are we going to do and what kind of a declaration do we want? So even at that point, The idea that we were going to declare independence had already been pretty well thought out. Thought out enough that they appointed five men to figure out how to declare independence. And those five men were uh, John Adams from Massachusetts, Ben Franklin from my home state of Pennsylvania, Thomas Jefferson from Virginia, Robert Livingston from New York, and Roger Sherman from Connecticut. Interesting to note that four of the five are northern states. Four of the five are states where slavery was not prevalent. Thomas Jefferson from Virginia, the only member of the Committee of Five that was from a slave state and, of course, was a slave as well. Now, the Committee of Five started on on, uh, June 11th and ran until... Uh, July 5th, when the declaration was first public. So the very first draft that the Committee of Five were able to put out 
and, and brought to the Continental Congress was uh, June 28th. I know this is dry stuff. It's a lot of dates and names and numbers, but it's going to get more fun soon, I promise. So that first draft came out on, on uh, June 28th, 1776, and Thomas Jefferson borrowed a lot of the language of the Declaration of Independence from other authors, most notably, in my personal opinion. He borrowed a big chunk of it from the Virginia Declaration written by George Mason. Jefferson also borrowed heavily from uh, John Locke. But what I find interesting to note is that Jefferson didn't want to be the author of the Declaration of Independence. He wanted John Adams to do it. John Adams basically refused. John Adams' reasoning was that Thomas Jefferson was from Virginia, and Virginia need to at least appear to be leading this movement. Interesting. So, anyway, the Committee of Five gets together. They put out their first draft on June 28th. Of course, it's sent back to them many, many times. Lots and lots of revisions. The next significant date within the timeline of the United States declaring de- uh, independence from England would probably be July 2nd, 1776, of course, with the passage of the Lee Resolution. The Lee Resolution, so named for its author, Richard Henry Lee, another delegate from Virginia. And the Lee Resolution is actually also known as the Resolution for Independence. It was the first resolution passed by the, uh, the Congress to declare independence, independence, and 12 of the 13 colonies signed and agreed. And the one colony that abstained was the province of New York. So New York chose not to uh, declare independence on July 2nd with the, the Lee Resolution. So the Lee Resolution was also very, very short. It, it basically says, well, it, it does say, and I quote, resolved that these united colonies are and of right to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiances to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, that it is expedient forthwith to take the most effectual measures for forming foreign allegiances, that a plan of confederation be prepared and transmitted to the respective colonies for their consideration and approbation. That was it. Our Declaration of Independence is far longer and far more complex than that, but that was the original Declaration of Independence, you could say. So that was July 2nd, as the colonies have decided that, yes, we are going to declare ourselves independent. July 3rd, the Committee of Five, being led by Thomas Jefferson, produced yet another draft of the Declaration of Independence. This draft was again scrutinized by the delegates, and 86 edits were made. Now remember, the first draft came up like a week earlier. I don't know how many drafts were in there, But even now, July 3rd, they still want 86 more edits. 
So Jefferson and the Committee of Five go back to work. And they come up with what ends up being the final Declaration of Independence and produce it to the Continental Congress on July 4th. This is approved apparently by a voice vote or a show of hands or something like that because it isn't signed. In fact, the original was only signed on July 4th by Patrick Henry, who was the president of the Continental Congress. So it was signed and rolled up and stuck away. It wasn't until August 2nd that most of the other delegates actually signed the document. And it wasn't until November that the the last signature was was, uh, achieved and it was delivered to King George. So let's go back to those edits for a second. I said that we had 86 edits suggested on July 3rd for the July 4th final version. Well, a lot of those edits were anti-slave language and anti-slave trade language that had been put in by Thomas Jefferson that the delegates demanded, voted to have removed against Thomas Jefferson's objections. Wait, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. And Thomas Jefferson tried to put anti-slave language in the Declaration of Independence? Wait, it won't wait if you, if you stop and actually read it. You know what? He snuck a little bit of that, a little bit of that by them. There is some anti-slave stuff in there. We'll get to that later. But right now, so 86 edits have to be made, and a lot of it is to get rid of the the, uh, anti-slave trade language. And Jefferson, who was a slave owner, was actually pushing to have this anti-slave language put in there. It was removed for fear that the southern states would not ratify it if it was too too anti-slavery. It was feared that we would not end up being a unified nation if our Declaration of Independence was uh, too anti-slavery. That's kind of interesting to me. So then we go back. We got July 4th. You know, Patrick Henry signs it. On July 5th, 200 copies are made. These, of course, typeset printed copies, printing press copies are made and, and distributed. In July 6th, the Pennsylvania Evening Post prints the Declaration of Independence in the newspaper. And on July 9th was actually when New York was the last colony to officially, their delegate was officially to approve it. Remember, New York, Mr. Robert Livingston was one of the Committee of Five, and he refused to sign it himself. So it took an additional five days for New York to approve independence. Again, interesting, especially when you look at New York today versus New York then. New York today, one of the most progressive states in our nation, was one of the ones who apparently didn't really want independence. They resisted. Isn't history fun? So with all those dates there, all those different days that easily could have been chosen to be the birth of our nation, why was it July 4th? Why not July 2nd? Or, my opinion, why don't we have a three-day holiday? Why don't we have July 2nd 
through forth as Independence Days for America. Because it really was July 2nd, we first declared independence. July 4th, we had our new declaration that we were going to deliver to the gang. But the reason 4th was chosen, a lot of people think it's because that version that Patrick Henry signed, that very, very first one, well, after the copies were made, it was rolled up and stored. And the date of July 4th, 1776 was written on the outside of the roll. So actually, there is something written on the back of the Declaration of Independence, but it is not the treasure map that... uh, whatever movie that was, suggested that it was. Another reason that it may have been July 4th that was chosen has to do with a a little further in the future. Independence Day really wasn't celebrated as a holiday in the newly created United States until about the 1830s. And when it started to be celebrated, one of the things uh, somebody printed out thousands and thousands of copies and had them distributed. And they had that particular copy dated July 4, 1776. So it may very well have been chosen because that was the common conception, the common perspective of our people that it was July 4th when it was all signed, but it really wasn't signed. So whether you celebrate on the 2nd or the 4th, we're all the second, third, and fourth. Happy Independence Day. Oh, another interesting fact that slipped my mind earlier when I was talking about the Henry, the uh, Richard Henry Lee Resolution. I did mention that the Lee Resolution was passed on July 2nd. Richard Henry Lee first introduced that resolution on June 7th. So it took almost a month to pass this resolution. It took almost a month to make the decision to become an independent country and break away from England. Okay, so moving back on back on track, we're, we've, we've signed the Declaration of Independence and all of that kind of stuff. Um, July 6th, I said the Saturday Evening Post printed it. Another thing that happened on July 6th, Patrick Henry, again, President of the Continental Congress, wrote a letter, dated it July 6th, to send to... General George Washington, who, of course, was the commanding general of the Continental Army. And in that letter, Mr. Patrick Henry says that it was a a difficult decision, and it was hard to come to, and, oh, by the way, we've decided to declare independence. Now, General George, being the general that he was, had the letter read to his men. They were in New York at the time. How did his men react? They suddenly are no longer fighting a small rebellion to keep their rights. Now his men are fighting to become free and independent. That's a big change. Motivation for soldiers is important. Now his men have a a real honest goal after reading the letter. And what did they do? What was done? Did they hoot and holler and riot? Well, they did a little bit, but their rioting was very, very focused. They tore down a statue of King George III in New York City and melted it and turned it into bullets. How appropriate is that? You tore down the statue of the king that you are trying to overthrow 
and then use the metal to then shoot at the king's men that are coming for you. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I remember that story, actually, from elementary school. Do they still teach these things in elementary school? I don't know. It's been a long time since I was in school. But I remember some of the stories when in researching this show. And I remembered that there was a Lee resolution. I remembered that uh, not all the uh, colonies signed the declaration on July 4th. I remember that Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter home to his wife expecting July 3rd that we would have a new nation. So depending on how you define the birth of a nation, I can tell you one thing right now. It is not 1619. We'll wrap this up. We'll talk about the 1619 project when we come back a little bit. You're listening to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy on Mojo 5 Radio. Welcome back to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy here on Mojo 5 Radio. Yes, this is Standing Ground on the Mojo 5 Radio Network, but I am not Jeremy Leahy in case you just joined us. I am Peter Serafine, host of the Liberty Lighthouse. You can find me at liberty-lighthouse.com if you want to reach out to Jeremy and tell him what a lousy job I am doing as his substitute for the day. You can always reach him at standingground1776 at gmail.com. Now, I have to start this segment with a correction from the last segment. I said the, uh, the July 6th letter to General George Washington telling General George about the nation declaring independence was from Patrick Henry, and, and I, I misspoke. That was, I don't know why I did that, but it was uh, John Hancock that actually sent that letter. Now, where were we other than that? I think we should at least talk a little bit about who these men were that signed our Declaration of Independence, creating this glorious nation, this wonderful republic, and uh, giving us today our Independence Day, the holiday that we get to uh, remind ourselves how lucky we are. So let's talk about the men. Well, over half of the men who were there, were lawyers, believe it or not, right? You sent lawyers to draft the document. There's a big surprise. Um, Most were very rich. Most of them were far less rich after the Revolutionary War had concluded. A few of them even went bankrupt because of the Revolutionary War. Four of them were taken captive by the British during the war. Uh, But fortunately for us, and fortunately for them, none of them were killed by the British. What I found most interesting in my research about the group of men involved is the pledge that they gave. They all swore an oath, kind of like members of the military do. Now, I'm a Navy veteran, and I swore my oath in uh, 1990. Actually, it was December 31st, 1990. If you recall, that was 15 days before the deadline for Saddam Hussein to get out of Kuwait. So I joined the Navy knowing that our country was going to war. And I raised my right hand and I solemnly swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And then the officer support above me and all the other kind of stuff. But the very first thing in that oath 
is to defend the Constitution. And that is why I do my show, The Liberty Lighthouse, and that is why I am proud to fill in here on the Mojo Radio Network because I don't think I can find another network that tries to support and defend our Constitution as well as Mojo does. So thank you very much, Mojo, for what you do, and thank you very much for having me here. Now, the founders, the ones that signed the Declaration of Independence, the oath that they served, they uh, swore, they, the pledge that they made was to each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Lives, fortunes, and honor. That's big stuff. Especially when you think how important honor was back then. Honor was more important than fortune or life in most people, especially most of the wealthy people in the 18th century. Okay, so we sort of debated the actual day that our nation declared independence, but it was definitely July of 1776, somewhere within that three-day window of July 2nd through 4th. The first nation to actually recognize the newly declared United States as a nation was Morocco over a year later. In December 1777, Morocco officially recognized the United States as a country. However, there was one little oopsie by a Dutch colony or a Dutch territory in November of 1776, just a few months after we declared independence. The Dutch island colony of St. Eustasis uh, fired cannon shots as an American ship was entering the harbor, which is recognition of, uh, uh, you know, a cannon salute is, is recognition of the sovereignty of the vessel. Now, that was a very hard thing for the Dutch uh, commander at the fort there. So he couldn't figure out whether or not to do it. He reached out to the governor of the colony, and the governor said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, so there's actually a plaque on St. Eustatius that uh, signifies this. Now, that acknowledgement of American sovereignty actually got that governor into a little bit of trouble. He was called back to uh the, the Dutch homeland to defend his actions. But he drug his feet and kept making excuses and actually didn't return for over a year. And uh, was ultimately, he was allowed to stay governor. He didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. But it, did, it, it caused problems for him politically. So officially, it was Morocco. But kind of, sort of, opportunistically, it was... Uh, the Dutch Republic, because it was a republic at the time, that acknowledged the United States as a nation. Interesting stuff. It's funny, the things you find while searching for other things. Uh, of course, I was searching for uh, Independence Day-related and uh, Declaration of Independence-related articles and facts and stuff as research for this show, and I came across that because, actually, a Dutch friend of mine send it to me. So thanks a lot, Sid. We call him Sid because we can't pronounce his real name. So today is Independence Day. Please don't be so lazy as to refer to today as the 4th of July 
It is more than the day of the calendar year when it occurs. It is the day we celebrate being independent. And I say we, I mean American people. We all need to celebrate this day as our Independence Day, not just white people. This is American independence, regardless of what species or gender or race or how much melanin you have in your skin. None of that matters. If you are an American, today is your Independence Day. And you might think, but they were still slaves in 1776 when we declared independence. And you'd be right. But I'm going to uh, spend some time here and explain why you should still celebrate even if you can trace your own history to being a slave in this country when this country was founded, you should still celebrate today. Not be like the Democratic National Committee and accuse President Trump of glorifying white supremacy over an Independence Day event at Mount Rushmore today. Glorifying white supremacy. So, so being proud of being an American and being willing to accept that we were not perfect in 1776 apparently means that you're willing to glorify white supremacy. Well, at least that's what our progressive friends want us to think. They want to think that if you're okay with America's history, if you're okay with our past, then, uh, well, you're just a racist white supremacist or something like that. I don't even know. Oh, and you know what? That line of thought actually brought me to, to, uh, to a public service announcement that I have to run. You know, you got these PSAs that you have to do when, when you're on networks and stuff. So let's just get this out of the way. The following is a public service announcement brought to you by Big Brother and The Parting. The 11th, final, and perfect edition of the Newspeak Dictionary is almost finished. All references to gender will be removed. For example, man will no longer be used as an acceptable prefix or suffix. This will eliminate sexism in our lifetime. Likewise, master is no longer an acceptable word. Master cylinder, master degree, master card, master bait will all be renamed, ending slavery forever. The party is working diligently to remove all references to melanin levels in the skin, thereby eliminating all racism. In order for this new lexicon to achieve ultimate effectiveness, our thought police are currently using Hate Week to remove all memory of gender, slavery, and race from our republic. The party and Big Brother. Thank you. Now, begin today's two minutes of hate. <laughs> In case you can't recognize all of those references, um, you need to read 1984 by George Orwell. All, almost everything in that little public service announcement was all references to 1984 by George Orwell, which I am one to believe that George Orwell was a prophet. He was just off by about 30 years as far as his predictions. I quote George Orwell regularly over on my show, so I'm going to do a little bit of George Orwell quoting right now. What did George Orwell have to say about liberty? Well, he said, quote, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear, end quote. How's, how true is that? That, that, of course, is direct reference to 
the American First Amendment, the freedom of speech, the, the ability to say things that may be unpopular. Why are we allowing that to go away? That's really for another show, though. Um, we're talking about the Declaration today. We are not getting into the Constitution, at least not yet. Maybe in the next hour. We'll see. In the last segment, I made reference to the New York Times' uh, 1619 project. And let me, I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't, yeah, well, you probably shouldn't. But maybe you should. I don't know. It's garbage is what it is. It really is. It's just garbage. The 1619 project is a, a series of essays that were put out that basically try to say that the foundation of America was not in 1776 when we declared independence from England, but that the foundation of America actually traces back to 1619 when the first African slaves arrived on North, the North American continent, and that everything since then has been slavery and racism, and nothing has changed, and, uh, well, you know, we're all just a bunch of white supremacists, and therefore we should die, or I don't know, whatever they're trying to do. So, yeah, if you want to know what the progressive liberal media is trying to shove down your throat, and oh, by the way, also trying to get added to school curriculums across our country, and they've unfortunately been successful in several places, um, maybe you should read the 1619 Project. If you don't want to be offended, then maybe you shouldn't read it, but it's bad stuff. It's, it's just ridiculous propaganda that was full of errors, many of which had to be retracted. Uh, even people on the progressive side of the aisle pointed out glaring lies and omissions and errors. And yet the project still won the Pulitzer Prize, which, yeah, I have no respect for the, for the Pulitzer Prize now because of that. But, so their premise is that the... Uh, country was founded on slavery because the first African slaves arrived in 1619. Okay, let's use some facts and some reasoning to dispel this entire argument. For one, 1619 was when the first African slaves arrived in our country. It is not when the first slaves arrived in our country. Before 1619, slaves were already here. They just happened to be white. They were Europeans, mostly Irish, if I remember my history correctly. But they were still there were already slaves. It's just, you know, it was the African slaves that arrived in 1619. And going back even before that, before white man arrived in North America, the American Indians or the Native Americans, well, they would enslave each other as well. In fact, the Cherokee Nation still had slaves right up until the Emancipation Proclamation. None of them are white. So white supremacy, ooh, here's the problem. Slavery has existed since the beginning of mankind. It is not a, a uniquely American evil, even though that is what our progressive friends want us to believe. Uh, ever read a book? You know, history? Bible, anything, 
Slavery has existed as long as mankind has. As a matter of fact, slavery still exists today. I just talked on my show uh, last week, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, There are 40 million slaves in the world right now, according to NPR. Now, we all know NPR is not some right-wing conspiracy news organization. They're NPR. And they estimate that there are 40 million slaves in the world today. But Black Lives Matter and Antifa are more worried about tearing down a statue of George Washington because he owned slaves than they are about going and getting the slaves that exist today freed or liberated. Okay, so starting to get a little off track. Sorry about that. I do that sometimes because I don't like write a script. I put some bullet points down on a piece of paper and then I talk about them. And sometimes I have enough bullet points and sometimes I don't. And sometimes a bullet point spurs something while I'm talking and I get sidetracked. So let's try to get a little bit back on track. All right. I need to get back on track. You guys aren't doing anything wrong. Let's go to the actual text of the Declaration of Independence and use the words that were printed or written to uh, dispel the 1619 Project, to dispel the idea that we are a racist nation, systemically racist, to use the modern terminology. So action of the Second Continental Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. Now, just so you know, I'm reading this from one of the, I don't know, five copies that I have scattered throughout my house the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, many of them in in nice little pocket versions. Um, Hillsdale University or Hillsdale College is is one of the places that you can get one for absolutely free. I have one now that I I actually bought at Barnes & Noble. It's really nice, gilded edges, leather-bound. It's really pretty. I keep it in my studio here where I record. Okay, so when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them to another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the law of nature and of nature's God entitled them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the cause which impel them to separate. So that's the opening paragraph of the Declaration, basically saying, when crap goes down, you got to fix it. Remember, the Declaration of Independence is a letter to King George explaining that we are no longer British, and here's why. So this is the opening paragraph that basically says, you know, sometimes you just have to go your separate ways. Now, the part that we all know, the part that, uh, well... All of us know, except maybe Joe Biden. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. All right, pause right there for a second. Notice that it says, among these. It means that these aren't the only rights but these are three that they find important enough to list separately. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Important things to note here. Life means, 
government can't take your life without, you know, as we say, due process. Liberty, your government can't take your liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. And what I find really, really important is the word pursuit of happiness. You, there's no guarantee of happiness in the Declaration of Independence. It means you're allowed to pursue happiness. Let's, let's talk about some of the arguments here. All men are created equal. Well, obviously, we had slavery in 1770s. It's in parts of our country. So uh, all men weren't created equal. This is where I say that the Declaration of Independence is a goal. It's an aspiration. It's what we as a nation are trying to achieve. Unfortunately, we are going to fail sometimes. Slavery was one of those failures. But just 90 years after the Declaration of Independence was written, slavery was over. Ended, done, kaput. 600,000 Americans died over a war. And at the end of that war, there were no more slaves. Not black, not white, not American Indian. Slavery ended 90 years after we became a country. Now, were we all men created equal after the Civil War? No, of course not. There's still racism. And unfortunately, there will always be racism because it's one of those horrible human conditions. Racism has always existed and unfortunately will always exist. What's important here is that the government not be involved in racism, not be perpetuating racism. So in 1964... 99 years after the slaves were freed, the Civil Rights Act passed. Now, the Civil Rights Act makes any racist law illegal, null, and void. So, that's, that's starting to push toward the all men created equal, if you're looking at race as your comparative. Now, are all men created equal in, do we have equal abilities? No. Each to his own abilities. I can't play basketball. I'm six foot two, but I still can't play basketball. As a matter of fact, I'm no good at sports at all. Should I say that, well, that's not fair because it's not equal? No. That's ridiculousness. You're created equal you can achieve what you can achieve. That's what the Declaration is. It's the goal set aside that we always be equal in from the government perspective. That the government not be racist. That the government not be holding you down because you're in the wrong class of people regardless of what that class may be. The government is allowed. Now, I want to talk about that pursuit of happiness a little bit more because there's some really important stuff here. That whole life, liberty, pursuit of happiness thing, um, well, Thomas Jefferson took that from the Virginia Declaration of Independence who, who had borrowed it from John Locke. And in the, the Virginia Declaration of Independence, there was a specific mention to property 
and happiness. Why didn't Thomas Jefferson just copy the Virginia one verbatim? Well, property, if the word property existed in the Declaration of Independence is one of the things that you are entitled to by God, then the slave owners would have been able to point to the Declaration and say, you can't take my slaves, they're my property. So there maybe it's, there's not necessarily an anti-slave language right there, but the language was altered in order that it not support slavery, which I find really, really important, especially considering the guy who's, who's famous for writing it owned slaves. Now, you do some research on Mr. Thomas Jefferson and when he lived and what was going on, it was actually illegal in the colony of Virginia, and unfortunately in the state of Virginia thereafter, it was illegal to free slaves. So he couldn't do it legally, but he wanted to do it, and that's evident in how he did some of the work, especially here in the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, next in the Declaration is that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizations, its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, that's really important to note, because for one, it's saying that, hey, yes, we need to put up a government mostly to protect these rights that we've already said we have, because God gave them to us. We have these rights. Your job as our government is to protect them. Then it goes on to say that when our government isn't doing that anymore, it's our job to get rid of them. And uh, I have to say, my father-in-law would quote this to me all the time because he thought it was time for revolution. He thought it was time to take up arms against our own government. I'm not quite there yet, but I have my days when I think he may have been right. What goes on, what, what else I find interesting about that sentence is the second occurrence of the word happiness. This is the government foundational document. This is the document that created the United States of America, the greatest nation on planet earth, bar none, from the beginning of time. And twice within the first two paragraphs of, of our declaring our independence, we referenced happiness. When in any other foundational document of any other nation at any other point in history was happiness even considered by the founders? That's unreal. That's, that's well, it's revolutionary. Happiness is the highest level in Maslow's hierarchy, in Maslow's pyramid of needs. Do you remember Maslow from like, I don't know, high school, I guess? Maybe college? I didn't go to college, so I'm going to say high school. Because I knew who Maslow was. 
Maslow's hierarchy says that, you know, we have needs and we can't move on to better needs until we sustain and, and secure our foundational needs. So our foundational needs are, you know, air, food, water, shelter, etc. And you go up the five steps within the hierarchy and the highest level of Maslow's hierarchy is self-actualization which is happiness. We have a foundational document that references happiness twice within the first two paragraphs. That's amazing to me. This really is the American experiment. Not only did the American colonies decide to break away from England and start to be independent, but they wrote a foundational document that is based on goals and aspirations to attain and based on the happiness and the freedoms and the liberties of the people of the nation. That's never been done before. The American experiment has now been going on for 244 years. Happy 244th Independence Day, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters. But we are running out of time for this segment. So uh, let's see. We got town hall news, a couple of messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back and continue to talk about independence of the great United States of America. You're listening to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy on Mojo Five O Radio. Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Serafine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress. Really? Progress, really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty-loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy. Give progress, really, a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com, S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E.com. Order your copy today. Welcome back to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy here on Mojo Five O Radio. Yeah, this is Standing Ground, but I am not Jeremy Leahy. I am Peter Seraphine. In case you just joined us, please don't be disappointed, at least not until you listen for a little bit. Um, I'm the host of Liberty Lighthouse, a show that I would love to see here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network because I think it is a fabulous place for freedom fighters and real American patriots. Jeremy was kind enough to allow me to fill in for him while he went off to celebrate Independence Day. So, happy Independence Day, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters. Happy 244th Independence Day. And please, refer to today as Independence Day. As I said earlier in the, uh, the show, calling it the 4th of July just kind of cheapens it. You know, we don't call Christmas December 25th. We don't call Valentine's Day February 14th. We call them by their name. So please call today Independence Day. And I hope that you have had a fabulous Independence Day thus far. Today here on Standing Ground, we are talking about the Declaration of Independence, how it came to be. And uh, we just started going over the wording of the Declaration itself. 
before we go any further, I want everyone who just joined us to know that these are my opinions. Jeremy and I uh, did not talk about what I could or could not say. So anything I say that you might not agree with is my problem, not Jeremy's. So address those to me. You can go to liberty-lighthouse.com to contact me and tell me what a fool I am. Or you can uh, reach out to Jeremy at standingground1776 at gmail.com and tell him, hey, never have this idiot back hosting your show again. Or, you know, tell him, hey, you did a pretty good job. I'd appreciate that. So we were talking about the, the uh, Declaration of Independence. We're, we're talking about the actual verbiage of it. And we got to the point where it references the word happiness twice within the first two paragraphs, which is just revolutionary. Absolutely amazing. This is part of the reason that we need to celebrate this day. Don't let those I'm going to use the politically correct term. Don't let those progressives out there shame you into not celebrating Independence Day. Don't let people that want to destroy our country shame you out of loving our nation. Because I do love our nation. I believe the United States of America is the best country, the freest most liberty-loving nation that has ever been created. I do fear that we're headed in the wrong direction. But I'm going to play a little something that I'm sure you'll recognize the person's voice right away. And this is how I feel about our country. Republic. I like the sound of the word. It means people can live free, talk free. Go or come, buy or sell, be drunk or sober, however they choose. Some words give you a feeling. Republic is one of those words that makes me tighten the throat. Same tightness a man gets when his baby takes his first step or his first baby shaves and makes his first sound like a man. Some words can give you a feeling that make your heart warm. Republic is one of those words. Republic is definitely one of those words, at least to me. We are the great republic of the world. And we should be proud of that. And we should celebrate that. And one of the ways that we celebrate it is by celebrating our Independence Day, the uh, agreed-upon birthday of our nation. If you, don't under, if you don't know what I'm talking about there about it, agreed-upon birthday, you missed the first segment. So in the Declaration, we've, got, we've gone over the first two paragraphs, the two most famous paragraphs. And the reason that those are the two most famous paragraphs is because from there on, it basically becomes a list of grievances against, against King George. And I don't want to go over every stinking one of them, but there are a few that I think we should talk about. Because I think a few of these grievances against the king, well, I think they apply today against our own government. And whose fault is that? That would be our fault for continuing to elect these idiots back in the game. So King George has basically refused to uh, assent to laws that most wholesome and necessary for the public good. So basically the king uh, refused to, to agree to laws that the colonies wanted to pass. Hmm. Refused to agree to laws. Let's see. 
I believe the idea of term limits here in America has a 86% approval rating, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and Congress refuses to do it. So that sounds an awful lot like the refusal to assent to something that the people want. The, uh, the, the king had forbidden governors to pass laws that the uh, colonies wanted. He has refused to pass laws for the uh, accommodations of large districts of people. He uh, gathered legislative bodies in like weird places. So he would call together the, uh, the legislative bodies of a colony, but he would do it in like really awkward, uncomfortable places to make people feel awkward and uncomfortable. The king has, you know, of course, taxation without representation is mentioned in the list. Uh, he made judges descend based on his will, the king's will, that is. So the judges weren't really allowed to act as judges. He, oh, this is a good one. The, he, being the king, has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. So swarms of officers because of a multitude of new offices. Well, this is one of the things that I have talked about many times. Um, we're going to set aside the Declaration for just a second and talk about the Constitution. In the United States Constitution, you count the powers that are given to the federal government in the Constitution. You come up with a number somewhere between 30 and 36. And that variance is based on how you tally that. I'm going to give a simple example that I use often. The Constitution says that the federal government has the right to create a navy. And then in another line, someplace else in the document, it says that the federal government has the right to fund a navy. So the variance between 30 and 36 is whether you count those as one or two separate powers. So anyway, there are 36, using the high end, enumerated powers for the federal government in our Constitution. However, our federal government has 430, I believe, my last count, 430 federal departments, agencies, and offices. That sounds an awful lot like erecting a multitude of new offices and sending hither swarms of officers to harass the people stuff that, uh, that uh, King George was doing, he would uh, you know, arbitrarily draw new lines for, for provinces or colonies. Uh, he would suspend legislatures just because he didn't want to deal with them and then wait sometimes ridiculous amounts of time before allowing another legislator to uh, be called. He was restricting uh, trade of the colonies with the rest of the world. He was charging people with crimes in other countries and making them travel the world in order to defend themselves for said crimes. So the king was doing a whole lot of shady stuff. And the Declaration of Independence lists out a whole bunch of those things and lists out the reasons that we declared independence. After listing out the reasons that we are claiming independence, the, uh, the closing section of the Declaration is, is three paragraphs, and it says, 
In every stage of our oppression, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble of terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated inquiry. A prince whose character is thus must, by every act which may define a tyrant, is unfit to be a ruler of a free people. So basically, we've got a summary paragraph here where the, uh, the delegates have decided that, hey, we've just listed out all of the reasons that we think that you are a tyrant, and we are free people, and therefore do not deserve to be, to be ruled by a tyrant. The document goes on to declare that, hey, these 56 people that signed the document are delegates of all the states, and uh, we don't want you around anymore. Basically, you know, it's a lot longer and far more eloquent than that, but that's kind of where it goes. So our Declaration of Independence basically says that, hey, we're free people. We have these rights that you don't give us. Not you're the government. You don't give us rights. God gave us rights. Our creator gave us these rights. It is your job as a government to protect our rights. Here are a whole bunch of examples of how you as king have failed to do these things. You have not been protecting our rights. In fact, you have been making our lives terribly uncomfortable and inconvenient. So, that having been said, we're now independent. We don't want to have anything to do with you. We're the United States of America now. And that is the Declaration of Independence in a nutshell. One of the things that I found when I was looking around was uh, a speech from Calvin Coolidge. President Calvin Coolidge, probably the most underrated president ever. Um, He happened to be president on the 150th and Independence Day celebration on July 4th, 1926. And he's got some good stuff in his speech. So I, I have part of it here I want to read. If all men are created equal, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. If governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these positions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth, or their soundness, the only direction in which they can proceed historically is not forward, but backward toward the time when there was no equality, no rights of the individual, no rule of the people. Those who wish to proceed in that direction cannot lay claim to progress. They are reactionary. Their ideas are not more modern, but more ancient than those of the Revolutionary Fathers. Calvin Coolidge, July 4th, 1926, at the 150th Independence Day celebration. Now, that struck me. That that bit of that speech really got my attention because, well, those things are final. All men are created equal. 
were they equal in the eyes of man or in the eyes of the government in 1776? Of course they weren't. We already went over that. Slavery already existed. But Thomas Jefferson's eloquent and statesmanlike and just brilliant wording of the Declaration of Independence gave a door that allowed slavery to be ended, unfortunately, 90 years later. But without Thomas Jefferson's brilliant statesmanship, without his perception of how the Declaration of Independence would be would be viewed for generations to come, it may have taken even longer for slavery to end in the United States. It may have taken even longer for we the people to have the self-evident truths that we are equal, we are endowed with inalienable rights, that our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness are not from our government, but from our God, from our creator. I have to admit, I'm not a religious man. So when, when I say, you know, these things come from God, it makes me a little tiny bit uncomfortable because I, I feel a little hypocritical because I'm not a religious guy, I don't often go to church. And to invoke the name of God makes me a little uncomfortable. So I'd like to take just a second to explain a little bit about my theology, if you don't mind. I do believe in God. I do believe in a creator. I don't think that you can deny that the world was created by intelligent design. Just look at you know, a maple leaf or just a leaf off of a tree and look at the intricate web of how that thing is alive and then to know that the intricacies of that design extend and multiply all the way through that leaf, through the branch that the leaf came from, down the trunk of that tree, deep beneath the ground, spread out into a huge network. I don't think that is possible without intelligent design. So I'm not a religious man. I consider myself a deist, like several of our founding fathers. I believe in a creator, but I don't necessarily go to church often. So when I invoke God, when I read when I say, endowed by God with these rights, it does make me a little uncomfortable. But somehow saying endowed by their creator doesn't. Because I do believe that we, we have a creator. And I think that also goes back to Thomas Jefferson's eloquence and his brilliance in how he wrote. He didn't say God. He said, endowed by their creator which makes someone like me more comfortable with it. Even though we all know it's God. So back to Calvin Coolidge's speech there. Those self-evident truths are final. It's 
black and white on the paper can't be argued even in court because that's how our world is set up here in the United States. What I find most interesting about that paragraph is the end parts, the last half, when he says those that try to proceed, those that lay claim to progress aren't going in the right direction. And I, I, I honestly have to say, I wish I had found this quote. I wish I had found that speech in that paragraph before I wrote my book, Progress, really? Uh, a little over a year ago, because that was the point of my book, is that progress, our progressive movement, isn't progress anymore. It may have started out as progress, but at some point, progress isn't progress anymore. And Calvin Coolidge realized that in 1926. But now we have a progressive movement today that doesn't even want to celebrate Independence Day. Well, I'm sorry. Everyone in America should be celebrating Independence Day. In fact, those above the 49th parallel in the Canuckistan, uh, as Mike Phillips says, those in Canada should probably be celebrating American Independence Day too. Just look at the history. What would Canada be like had America not declared independence and won its freedom from Great Britain? And now if you even think about it that way, the whole world should celebrate American Independence Day. To like the old like the movie Independence Day. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Okay, so that, of course, was the, uh, the speech from... Independence Day, the movie. But he's kind of right, even though that was a completely fictional movie about aliens. The whole world, the entire free world, should celebrate American Independence Day. Twice America has saved the world from the domination of a superpower with tyrannical, evil goals. Twice we have stepped in and saved our planet. 
twice we have saved mankind. That's, and that's just on the world level. That's just World War I and World War II. South Korea, South Vietnam, they only exist because of America. They would be communist states today without us. So, like the uh, fictional speech says, today's Independence Day. It's not just an American holiday, or at least it shouldn't be just an American holiday. The entire world, every free person on this planet should celebrate American Independence Day. Because without American Independence Day, nobody would be free anymore. We'd all be speaking some other language. German, if Hitler had been the one to finally take over and rule Japanese if it had been them. Who knows who would have won if it wasn't for we, the American people. So that's my take on Independence Day. Independence Day definitely needs to be celebrated. There's so many people in the progressive movement today that think that celebrating Independence Day is celebrating white supremacy. As a matter of fact, that was the official statement from the Democratic National Committee. Why? Why on earth is the Democratic National Committee insistent on dividing the American people on the day that we celebrate as the birthday of the American people? Sounds like they're trying to deny the truth and soundness. And denying the truth and soundness, according to Calvin Coolidge, only leads in one direction, and that's backwards. That's reactionary. That is the ancient ways before the great American experiment. Happy Independence Day. Say it loud. Say it proud. Be American. Our Declaration of Independence is a nearly perfect document. Unfortunately, it has been managed by imperfect men. We can do better, and we continue to do better. But the reactionaries out there today, on all of the news channels, the reactionaries out there today want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. They want to throw out the near perfection in order to, I don't know, in order to progress, which according to Coolidge, isn't really progress. And here we go again, coming up on yet another Mojo 5.0 commercial break. I am Peter Seraphine, filling in for Jeremy Leahy here on the Standing Ground. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy on Mojo 5.0 Radio. This Second Amendment moment is brought to you by Hunter's Warehouse at 130 West High Street in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania. When the government was closing businesses, Hunter's Warehouse was open. When ammunition was out of stock everywhere, including online, Hunter's Warehouse had it. With thousands of firearms and truckloads of ammunition in stock, no wonder people drive for hours to visit Hunter's Warehouse. Go to Hunter'sWarehouse.net for all of your Second Amendment needs. 
Welcome back to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy here on Mojo Five O Radio. Yes, we're back. This is Standing Ground, and I am still not Jeremy Leahy. So, again, if you have questions, comments, and concerns about this particular episode of Standing Ground, go to liberty-lighthouse.com, direct them at me, Peter Seraphine. And uh, if you have something specifically for Jeremy, of course, standingground1776 at gmail.com. Okay, so we have covered the history pretty well. I think for the last hour and a half, we've talked a lot about the, the founding fathers that signed the Declaration of Independence, their thought process, what was going on. I want to talk about what's been in the news lately and how that pertains to Independence Day. After all, it is Independence Day. And, well, in my personal opinion, this is the most important government holiday ever created on the planet. But I might be a little biased. There have been a few things in the news lately that really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, one of them was just last night, President Trump, of course, at Mount Rushmore. And uh, his speech and the whole ceremony and everything ended up being delayed because of protesters. Now... I firmly believe in the right to protest. I firmly believe that if you are aggrieved by anything in our nation, as long as you can peacefully assemble, protest your heart out. Now, the Native Americans that are protesting because, you know, that the Mount Rushmore area was robbed from their people, they actually have a legitimate right to protest, in my opinion. They've, they've got a legitimate grievance. Uh, all you woke white folk, uh, just stop. It doesn't make any sense. You're just, you're making fools of yourself. So anyway, so that was one of the protests. Something else I saw yesterday that really, really rubs me the wrong way is the NFL, the National Football League. Now, I said way back when Caliber... Uh, Colin Kaepernick started this whole kneeling during the National Anthem thing. Well, that's his right to do it. However, he is an employee of the team and therefore of the team owner and of the team managers and the coaches and all of those things. And I totally blame those people for not putting a stop to it immediately the first time it happened. Because you know what? We give up. We temporarily waive our First Amendment right to free speech in order for, to have the privilege of being employed. While you're employed, your employer gets to tell you what you can or cannot say. You have the right to leave that job, but as long as you, in this case, are wearing that team's uniform, they could have stifled it immediately, and I blame those who chose not to. So the NFL is at it again. Now they have decided that they're going to play a song commonly referred to as the Black National Anthem before the Star-Spangled Banner. My complaint to this is multifold. Uh, for one, nothing gets played before the Star-Spangled Banner, in my patriotic opinion. The Star-Spangled Banner still, to this day, makes me stop where I am, face the music, and stand at attention until it's done. I don't wear the uniform of our military anymore, but I still do that. And I think that we all should 
pause when we hear that song because it's important to our nation. The other one, the other way that this whole black national anthem thing rubs me the wrong way is why in the heck do we as a nation keep continuing to allow this ridiculous, blatant division of we the people? National anthem is the national anthem. It is not the white people's anthem. We've talked about some of this earlier, but I'm going to get to into some of it again here shortly. Uh, not quite yet, though. So NFL black national anthem is just silly because it is a divisive title. I mean, just black national anthem is just a divisive concept. So any organization who is going to promote that and then put it before the Star Spangled Banner uh, loses all of my respect, not that the NFL had a whole lot of my respect left in the, in the first place. The next of the recent problems that uh, has been covered by the news that are bothering me is the group of people out there pushing to celebrate Juneteenth instead of Independence Day. Now, let me preface my argument here with that Juneteenth, for anybody who doesn't know, is the day that the, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation was finally read to the last state that still had slaves in our nation, which was Texas in June 19th, 1865. Definitely a milestone. Definitely worthy of having a national holiday. Totally, totally agree with creating a national holiday on Juneteenth. Ending slavery was was a, a milestone in our nation's progress. Replacing Independence Day is ridiculous because Independence Day was the precursor. Our Declaration of Independence allowed Juneteenth to happen. Without Thomas Jefferson's just skillful statesmanship, without Thomas Jefferson's eloquent pen, without his fight to get anti-slavery and anti-slave trade language into the Declaration of Independence, Juneteenth may never have happened. The Civil War may never have happened. We might still be a slave state today, just like so many others in the world. You know, the 40 million slaves that exist today in other countries. We might be one of those other countries if it weren't for Thomas Jefferson and his efforts to found our country as a slave-free state. He failed as far as, you know, we still had slaves when the Declaration was signed, but he was enormously successful in laying the groundwork so that slavery could be ended at some point in the future. Of course, that some point in the future took 90 years. Of course, the vandalization and the rioting and the looting and the tearing down of statues and all of those things also very, very concerning, especially on this Independence Day. Those that are tearing down statues that have absolutely nothing to do with their cause, 
is a huge, huge problem to me. And, well, it, it just goes to show something that was probably best said by Ronald Reagan. You and I have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. And those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. We have lived too long with our freedom. We have become comfortable and complacent, and we no longer fight for our liberty. Man, you would think that Ronald Reagan had just said that yesterday. He said that in 1964. How much have we given up from 1964 to now? This, this is, well, this is the heart of part of the problems in our country. Our citizenry, we take our freedom for granted. We want our government to step in and fix everything for us on our behalf rather than our government to get out of the way and allow us to fix our problems ourselves. That's what independence is. That's what freedom is. Not you're guaranteed to be successful, but you have the opportunity to be successful. Somewhere along the way, a whole lot of our people, a whole lot of people in America of all colors have lost that. Somewhere along the way, we stopped fighting for our liberties and well, we started looking for the easy way out. That's why I started my show. That's why I wrote my book. That's why I want to be on the Mojo Five O radio network, because I think Mojo Five O still fights for our freedoms and our liberties and helps to educate the people out there that, that need it, the people that just don't understand what freedom and liberty really are. Freedom is not only a privilege, it's a responsibility. We have the responsibility to continue to fight for our freedoms, to continue to maintain and hopefully expand our liberties. It's an obligation to do these things. Nelson Mandela said, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Who does that today in this world? Well, you watch MSNBC or CNN. Well, if you watch any news, nobody does. It's, it's not being covered. There are people out there. There are people out there who are trying to expand and enhance and respect the freedoms of others, but they're not getting all the attention. Instead, what gets attention is people that fall into the category that, that Reagan described. Live too long with this freedom. 
We become comfortable and complacent in our position. And I believe the first, the foremost, the most important freedom that we have as Americans, the one that actually defines us and makes us Americans, is our freedom of speech. Our ability to speak our minds is what makes us Americans. And we're even losing that. How many people are getting out there, get out there getting assaulted for saying unpopular things? How many people are losing their jobs and some other way being victims of reprisal because of their political views? That's not right. It can't happen. And according to Benjamin Franklin... Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. So, somebody wants to overthrow a free nation like the United States of America, the first thing that they have to do, according to Benjamin Franklin, is to squash the freedom of speech. George Orwell says that too, doesn't he? We got the thought police go out and police on behalf of the party make sure that you're not speaking and or even thinking things that don't go along with the party i am happy and proud to be one of those people who does not think for or by or through the party i speak my mind my common sense the way i see the world because that's what freedom of speech is Live free or die. Death is not the worst of evils. General John Stark said that. General John Stark is absolutely right. There are a lot of things worse than dying. And in my opinion, losing our freedoms and liberties is the worst thing that could happen to we as a nation. But it happens to us every day, all the time. Every time we, the people, allow our government to expand, create some new department or some new office, or get bigger in any way, we lost some freedom or liberty. Something, somewhere. Oftentimes, it's little tiny liberties that you know, we're, we're almost willing to give the government because whatever department they created is perceived to be a good thing. Sometimes we don't even realize those little liberties that we're losing when they create all these new little departments. And sometimes it's like Thomas Jefferson said, how little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of. Kind of like Reagan. We just don't get it anymore. The general public does not understand the value of freedom and liberty. The fact that you can go out and protest at the Independence Day event, well, that proves your freedom. That proves that you have that right. The fact that you weren't just all arrested or shot on sight. The fact that there were protests all over this country for the last month or more is proof 
that we live in a free, a free society. We are a free people. What I don't understand is why so many of those that are out there protesting are protesting to almost give away freedoms. They're, they're asking our government to take over parts of our lives. That's not independence. Something else very significant in American history happened July 4th weekend, too. And being in Pennsylvania, as I record this, it reminds me, Battle of Gettysburg. So all those people of color who choose not to celebrate Independence Day because they feel that it's a white supremacist, white supremacist holiday. Well, I've already gone over the case as to why you should celebrate because the Declaration of Independence eventually led to your freedom as slaves, as a people. But the Battle of Gettysburg was also the turning point of the Civil War. It was at the Battle of Gettysburg that the Union, the federal forces, finally saw light. That they could, they could win. And it was, of course, the Union winning the Civil War that ultimately led to the end of slavery, officially, throughout our nation. So, if you don't want to celebrate Independence Day because we still had slavery in 1776, we're a horrible racist country who still had slavery in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed, well, celebrate because of the Battle of Gettysburg, turning the war around, the war that eventually ended slavery. Celebrate in honor of the weekend where more Americans died than any other three-day span in American history on the battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Celebrate the fact that you're allowed to have your own opinion and dissent that just kind of proves the point. You are a free people. Celebrate, as John Adams wrote to his wife, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, and guns, bells, bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore funny thing about that same letter that adams wrote to his wife he said july 2nd would be the day i'm assuming that he was referring to the lee resolution but you know we already went over all of that so just kind of funny to me that there's more case for it to be a three-day holiday, if you ask me. So, picnic, barbecue, whatever, I hope you had a wonderful Independence Day. I hope that you enjoyed yourself with your friends and family, and I am so glad that you came here to Standing Ground. I hope you learned something from me as well. Maybe you've found a new reason to celebrate Independence Day. Maybe you just 
learned to start calling it Independence Day instead of the 4th of July. Maybe you've got a little reason why your neighbors and your friends and family should celebrate that they might not have realized before. A little tidbit of something that you can use in, in a discussion later or an argument if you have to. Independence Day is independence for all people. The Declaration of Independence, like I said earlier in the show, it's a goal. It's an aspiration. It's what we, the country, the nation of the United States of America, was founded in hopes of achieving. We fell short. We weren't there in 1776 when the document was signed. We got a lot closer in 1865, close of the Civil War, in June 19th, when we read the Emancipation Proclamation to the last state that still had slaves, freeing all the slaves of all colors and all races and all tribes in the United States of America forever. We got even closer still in 1964 with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, making all race-based discriminatory laws illegal anywhere in the great nation, anywhere in this republic. We are working toward the goal of all men being created equal. We are striving at all times to be better as a nation. This is something worth celebrating. I don't care who you are, what your color your skin is, what your religion is, what faith you have, or if you have no faith. It's all irrelevant. We are working for the goals set forth in our Declaration of Independence, and that is worth celebrating. Remember that our government, our Declaration of Independence, guarantees you the right to pursue happiness. It doesn't guarantee you happiness. Only you can make you happy. So, go out and be happy. Nobody's stopping you. It's a free country. You're allowed to do that. So, I am down to uh, about two and a half minutes before I want to put play a song for you at the end. It's a special song, and I'll explain later when we get there. But coming up after Standing Ground, after my uh, song that I want to play, we're going to have you know, Town Hall News, followed by Dominic Izzo, the rants of Izzo here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. So please stick around. Good stuff. I want to thank uh, Jeremy Leahy once again, and uh, Ron and Beth over at the Mojo Five O Radio Network for giving me the opportunity to sit in here. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you learned something. I hope that uh, you enjoyed it too. If you haven't got quite enough talk on Independence Day and the Declaration of Independence and the importance of this day, I have a short speech over at the, the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. It's, I don't know, eight or ten minutes long. Um, Independence Day speech. I do that for all the major holidays. I find a short speech to read rather than producing a full-blown episode of the podcast. So every patriotic holiday, you can go over there find a short speech. If you follow me on the social medias, that's at P Seraphine, P-S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E. 
I post links to all those there every every uh, federal holiday, at least the patriotic federal holidays, and you can find those speeches there. Thank you very much for listening. Go back and enjoy your Independence Day celebration. And remember that you absolutely must always protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there is no getting them back. Use your First Amendment right. Use your freedom of speech to stand up to those that are trying to silence you. Use your First Amendment to protect your rights, your freedoms, and your liberties, and to show those that want to divide us. They can't win. Stand up. Be the patriot and the freedom fighter that I know you are. Be heard. Okay, with that, I'm done. I'm out of here. Stick around for the rants of Izzo. One last thing before I go. I already told you I was in the Navy and I enlisted knowing that our nation was going to war. Well, that means that I graduated basic training while our country was at war. So the night before graduation, our company commanders, drill instructors, if you're in one of the other branches, well, they played a song for us. That song means a lot to me and to most Americans. They played this song never before and never again since have I ever seen so many grown men cry. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again. Just my children and my wife Thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free But I won't forget Still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. There's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Where at least I Her 
her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men Today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the youth.